We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. All right, guys, welcome to the Laker Film Room podcast. No Pete today, so this is Mike. And Darius joining us, which means a massive usage rate for one Darius Soriano. And one thing that you and I ended up talking a lot about this season, not that Pete didn't, was how you want to optimize a roster with big men. And, of course, free agency is coming up. This is the week leading up to free agency. And, Darius, my first thought, of course, goes to Anthony Davis and how much time has been spent talking about, yeah, AD's going to play the majority of his minutes at the five this year. Or, eh, I think AD's better next to a traditional big. So let's try to iron that out in figuring out how to shape this roster with Darvin Ham. And the the lead-in I want to give you first is the way that we know Darvin wants to play right, is this four-out, one-in style. And Milwaukee, Atlanta, who he says he wants to have a defense similar to, like to be big defensively, which I think should inform something here. But where do you take that with what this roster, I don't want to say should, but how you think it could be optimized looking from the big man position? Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because the Lakers are one of the more unique teams in the league, Mike, in terms of how they're built, right? LeBron is credibly... Um, and anything on the court. But last year, he played a fair amount of minutes at center. People think his best position is power forward, but he handles the ball a lot. And so he's on the perimeter. Is AD naturally a center? Is he naturally a power forward? But when your two best players are credibly like fours or four or fives, then when you talk about free agency and roster building, how you target bigs, and what kind of bigs you want on the team is, I think, a super interesting discussion. And when you talk about Darvin Ham and what he should like to do, I think if you look at the Bucks and you look at um, those Hawks teams in which he was an assistant under Coach Bud, they had big dudes in Horford and Brooke Lopez who both can defend the post, can score inside, but can also really stretch the floor. And so they had those quote-unquote unicorn type of bigs, right? And I think in an ideal world, 
when you talk about four out one in and you talk about where AD and LeBron both excel at offensively, I think you start to skew towards a big guy who can stretch the floor some. It, so I wanted to kick it back to you here and like, let's have the discussion about a shooting big and shooting's important, but I know that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but shooting carries value, but how much value and how much more valuable is it in a big man? And how important is that to the Lakers? Do you think? I absolutely think it's ideal and would like to have a space five next to Anthony Davis because then, and here's the trick though. Can that space five also move his feet well enough defensively? And so basically the perfect player to put next to Anthony Davis is somebody. Yep. Bombs threes from the perimeter and the defense has to account for him at least in some way. So you could take a, a Brooke Lopez fits on that side and then defensively somebody that is versatile and agile enough to be able to guard the Embiid's and the Jokic's inside and also not get completely burned and ruined on the Steph Curry type opponents or the Dame Lillard type opponents that want to bring that guy out in ISO. And well, that really means you're kind of down to Anthony Davis and Giannis. <laughs> like, yes, I was going to say. And Giannis isn't even really, from that point, Giannis isn't even really the three-point shooter, but I'm saying defensively. So versatility-wise, defensively, I think we kind of have to give that up in some senses and think that, all right, in those lineups in crunch time, fine, that's when AD is going to be at the five anyway, right? Where where you're like you're not going to risk the type of center that's going to be gone at anyway. So I'm I'm almost abandoning the ideal of that player before we even get into it too much. Yeah, it's a tricky thing when you start to think about what a guy can and cannot do and what he brings to the table and what he doesn't, right? This is something that Pete and I have have talked a ton about even before you were on the pod, right? It's it's this idea of of how many things do you take off of the table and versus how many things that you bring to the table. And if you're a big man who stretches the floor, that's great. I think you bring a lot of value offensively, not only to a team with, with Anthony Davis, but one with LeBron and one potentially with Russell Westbrook as well. But Darvin Ham has preached so much about defense that if you are taking defense off of the table actively, Right. And and so like there are stretch bigs, I think, around the league who they don't really play defense at all. Right. Because maybe they are converted power forwards. Right. Because they're like six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. They shoot the ball. They are not traditional bigs, like in the sense that they're Jokic or or in bead size. But they're basically centers because they can't really capably guard the perimeter at all but they might be too small to then hold up in individual matchups against the big bigs in the league and and so like think a guy like Montrez Harrell size but is actually a stretch player instead of an interior player that dude is going to be helpful offensively for sure but he takes almost all defense off of the table right and so if your choice is between a stretchy big and a big who can't really stretch at all but is going to provide defensive value in some way shape or form even if it's not perimeter defense it's rim protection for for example how do you negotiate that value when you're talking about 
Anthony Davis specifically and the type of big that you want next to him and next to LeBron, considering the type of offensive stuff the Lakers do want to do. Yeah, the hard part of the question is then if you're going to if you're not going to be able to have both right and they're not going to they're not, not going to be perfect on both ends of the court, which one do you go to first? And if that answer is defense, if you're going to lean towards defense there when you hear Darvin Ham speak or even if you hear Rob Palenka talk about it, then you have to account for, OK, but if it's defense, is that player more or less likely to have the capability to stretch versus be the type of Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee? you know, before Dwight lost a step, right? That type of offensive player where he's really much more of a roller and a screen setter. And what does that mean? I think we've learned increasingly the last couple of years, Darius, that for LeBron and AD, that player often ends up clogging up the paint, which is already clogged because that's the way that you play LeBron and AD. So let me let me add another element into this. Is, is it, I, clearly, it's going to take us a little bit more time to figure out what this what this ideal <laughs> big is for the Lakers. So Brooke Lopez comes to the Lakers in the 2017-18 season. And his previous year was in Brooklyn. And he attempted 5.2 three-pointers per game. The year before that, he attempted 0.2 three-pointers per game. So basically, yes. Brooklyn's coaching staff at the time looks at Brooke and, and they said, okay, Brooke, so you took... 14 threes in 15, 16. We want you to take 387 in 75 games. So, and guess what? He was okay right away. Like he shot 35% from three, which is right there in my range of that's fine. Anywhere between 33 and 39 isn't that different. Like it, it ends up being, you know, a, a difference of about 10 makes on the season. Yes, like 10 or 15 yeah. makes if you're like a decent volume three-point guy, yeah. for sure. So in what I so what I I was trying to figure out how does that happen? I I did a story on it at the time, and I don't even think I wrote something. I think I just did a little brief thing for TV. And basically, if you watch some of these big guys like that shoot. It's just simple math and physics like Brooks Brooks release point is so high and he doesn't really need to jump. It's just it's a little bit of of like a like when you or I might go and take a free throw where you don't have to be a great shooter to make free throws sometimes because you can just find the range and the rhythm from from a from a distance that you're shooting from comfortably. And it made me think, oh, wait, a lot of these bigs could in a short time. Now, yes, you have to have the requisite level of touch. Uh, could learn to shoot threes. And it's almost like watching Dwight Howard, who shoots a lot of threes in practice and before the games and even in games this year made some, where I might I might just take the guy that I know to get to the, the longer version of this. I might just take the guy that I can trust some defensively and think has a decent chance of shooting a lot more threes than he used to and say, hey, defenses, this is what this guy's going to do. You might not want to respect it for a little while, but he's going to stay around the top of the key so he can get back defensively and sure, occasionally space out to the, to the corner if that's what the offensive set goes. But I wonder, Darius, when we come back from break, is this a dumb idea? Is this a harebrained idea to get somebody that isn't thought of as a traditional three-point shooter, but what you know can be trusted a little bit more defensively and think there's a little upside there if we can get this guy to shoot and make a couple more threes? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Mike, I don't think you're alone in this idea. So I go back to, do you remember the year that Robin Lopez teamed up with his brother, Brooke, with the Bucks, right? And they were a joy, you know, in media availability and pregame antics and all of this stuff, because you, you know, with their dry sense, sense of humor and how they love to just rib each other, they're a great pairing. But one of the things that Coach Bud did, and Darvin Ham was on that staff, is he had Robin space to the corner and shoot more threes. I don't know if um, we should pull up these numbers, but I would imagine. I'm I'm looking at him. So he only took 1.6 attempts, but it was the most of his career. The previous most was 0.4. And he made 33% of them, which is perfectly. So this is a great, great find by you. that's That's all I want. That's all I want. Yeah. So that's in your window of acceptability there, right? And so I would imagine that over the course of a full season, you said he took 1.4 per game. I would imagine then if he played 70 He took 105. Games, yeah, so he took yeah 105. I was going to say, I bet he took about 100, 100 or so threes. His previous and, year, and, he had taken 31. His next year, he took 18. So Washington looked at that and they're like, no, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, you not so your, much. And, and I'm, right, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, man, go ahead. Go ahead and space to the corner, right? And if Pete was here, he would tell you that in our text threads, he would talk about, hey, man, maybe Dwight should be a pick and pop big. Yes. Right? Because because Dwight was not showing a lot of agility and quickness. He couldn't finish the rim, Darius, last year. He couldn't get up that last limit either. Also, too, he wasn't getting out of his screens quick enough to roll and get downhill in order to keep the passing lane angle that is important when you're playing with guards who aren't pull-up shooters, right? And so you need that big to get out, to actually set the screen, but get out of it quickly to occupy and create vertical spacing so that not everyone is just focused on the ball handler the entire time. 
And I think that was one of the issues that Russ struggled with was that he really didn't have a dynamic role man with him this season enough because he barely played with Anthony Davis. And so in getting back to your point, I think that you definitely skew that the Lakers should definitely skew more towards defense than a traditional spacer who may not provide defense at all. Obviously, if you can get both, then you get both, right? A guy who is a credible defensive player and like the Marc Gasols of the world or the Brooke Lopez's, right? But if they can't, I do agree with you that finding a big guy who shoots maybe 70% from the foul line, maybe, right? Someone who has a decent enough shooting touch and then can credibly space to the corner that's going to be important, and it's going to be important within the context of Darvin's ham schemes as well, right? Because that big is going to space to the corner regardless. Someone is going to space to the corner. It's going to be part of Ham's offense. And so I'm with you there. So all right, I, I like that. We kind of we made some progress towards the idea of what might work there. Now we'll see what actually happens in the roster. And once a player or two come in at that position, then we can try to talk ourselves into. And I can try to talk to Darvin Ham about, right, uh, hey, all right, here's what this guy did last year from three. You know, here's maybe it was zero attempts, hopefully not. Maybe it was a bunch, and we can go from there. But defensively, let's zero in on this for a second with Anthony Davis because a lot of the discussion last year, and we're going to need Pete to weigh in on this next, uh, next time that he's on the pod, in part because of what happens with Russ coming back and, and that whole thing. But – you know, I'm tr- I'm still trying to think of Anthony Davis for the most part as a guy who starts at the four and then ends at the five. And the biggest reason it's not because of wear and tear, and it's not because of you know having to bang with certain guys. I just love what the defensive capabilities of a team are when Davis can be at the four, which most often means that he can be essentially guarding everybody um, on a certain possession because at it's just more likely at that spot that he can either, if the team's playing a traditional four or not, like they're not going to be playing a go-to player as often in that spot. And if they are, that might be fine too in the case that it's Giannis or somebody where you do need him increasingly more in that spot. But if he's able to roam more, that's when you're getting the true team rim protection. You're getting the true switching capability out onto the perimeter for guards and wings of which he can defend better than anybody. Um, And again, I would put maybe just Giannis in that category with him. And we'll see about Evan Mobley. Like he's kind of getting there maybe uh, to be one of those types of players. We'll see. But I just like what that can, what that does and how big it makes the team in general and how imposing and how difficult it is. Are you still there with Davis in, in terms of what I just said? Or do you still, do you still like the concept of the Lakers being this smaller team where AD is more often than not at the five? I think they need to be able to do both at a high level, but I do like AD as a helper a lot, right? And this is one of the things that the Bucks did with Giannis. It's one of the things too that like the Heat did with LeBron. You put one of your best defensive players in help positions a lot, especially if he's an athletic guy, because the asks there are so high. And the Warriors and- with Draymond a lot. Yeah, and exactly. And so the asks are so high and the role is so important that if you put lesser people 
lesser quality defenders in those positions, your defense, your overall team defense is going to suffer for that. And I thought that was one of the reasons why the Lakers struggled defensively over the course of the season without AD in the lineup. It's because not only did they not have enough capable defenders in general, but they were putting players like Carmelo Anthony and um, and Dwight Howard or smaller guards like Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington or whoever into help positions where they were then crashing down on bigs and having to gang rebound and then still close out back back to the perimeter. But you need a guy who can both provide some semblance of rim protection there and still get back out to the to to the perimeter to to contest shots. And AD is so great at that that using him in that role um is going to benefit the, the team defense overall, right? And, and so I do agree that playing him then next to a another anchor defensively, another big who can then play in the paint more often as as just like that Joel and B type or play and drop coverage more that that guy is going to be valuable to, to the Lakers. And I also think Mike, that that plays into some of the stuff that ham wants to do, or that I would think ham wants to do defensively as well, because the teams, the staffs that he's been on with, with coach bud, they've almost always played in drop coverage and they've been a team that has conceded three point shots in order to protect the paint first. And it's one of the reasons why, as as you mentioned at the top of the pod, that they've stayed big more. By the time this comes out, yeah, I don't think my article will be out yet, but I, so I'm just kind of finishing up this combo with Darvin Ham. And one of the things that I asked him about kind of conceptually and coaching style and what does he prioritize? So defensively, he said, it's not so much what you want to take away, it's what you want to give up. And that is contested twos from the mid-range inside the three-point line. That's an object that we can all accomplish with drilling, repetition, watching film, carrying it from the film room to the practice floor, et cetera. So what you just said about Milwaukee and even Atlanta and the amount of shots that, like the kind of shots that they give up, I did notice the last couple of years, and this is where I, I need sort of a, to see the roster and to kind of keep discussing it, because Milwaukee did end up, for example, in their series against Boston, which they lost, just concede certain shots. And they weren't long twos. Like, they were threes, you know? Yeah. And, and so what what is the – how much of that is just that specific matchup and who they had and who they knew could get there or not? How much of that is philosophy? How much of that is here are certain guys that are below a threshold that will give up threes to? All of that stuff matters. But I don't think part of – like, I don't think any system – the mod, a modern system is directly stating we want to give up this three, you know, that's uncontested from a certain spot. But again, that's in contrast to part of what we saw. So what do you expect there? And what is with an Anthony Davis and with, if that player is a, if the player next to him is a less mobile center, how problematic is that? Or is it not? Because then you can just close the game like the Lakers did when they won the title with AD at the five anyway. And then the player that you need, which maybe we can introduce here is the type that you were pining for all last season, 
right? Which is the which is a guy right underneath Anthony Davis in size, but can hold up defensively. A little bit like a like an earlier career Marquise Morris type, or even the Marquise Morris from the bubble. Uh, but you know, maybe a slight upgrade on what that that player is. So where where would you go with that, Darius? So let's go to break here, Mike, and then when we come back, we'll talk about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this raises an interesting point, Mike, and it goes back to the discussion of of wings. So I thought one of the reasons why the Bucks ultimately just started conceding the types of threes that they conceded against the Celtics was because they didn't have Chris Middleton. And what the Bucks ended up having to do more was sell out in help situations in order to show early help against Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, right? And to a certain extent, even Marcus Smart when they would play in pick and rolls and and they would collapse the defense. And so if you're that worried about those sort of big predator wings getting into the spots of the court that you want to protect the most, which is the paint, then you're going to yield open threes. I think one of the things that the Bucks have done typically well is they were a KYP team. They were a know your personnel team. And so while they have surrendered a lot of threes, they've typically surrendered them to the shooters they wanted to be shooting those threes. Now, this is where the matchup specifically with Boston became problematic is that as we saw even against the Warriors, there are times where the Boston Celtics just put five guys out there and all of them can get hot at the same same time. I can't remember what game it was, Mike, but remember they missed like their first eight threes and then like hit 12 in a row or missed their first 12 and hit their next eight or nine. It, it was some crazy stat, but it was just like, oh my goodness, these guys can't cannot miss. And when that starts then that can just snowball on you as as a defense and the other team just feels hot and it's like it's it's like a game of NBA jam right they're all on fire they're all going in the basket looks like a hula hoop out there and they're just throwing them in from everywhere but i think your main point is right that the lakers will need a forward or two who are more mobile, who they can then trust to hold up in isolation enough and then have the types of perimeter defenders who can scramble and make those long rotations the way that Alex Caruso did and KCP did and Danny Green did and even that Kyle Kuzma and then and then obviously the way that LeBron and AD did in the run during the bubble to the championship. And so I think you're hitting on something that's super important is like, yeah, we are talking about bigs, but they're going to need these mobile wings too, or combo forwards who can also hold up defensively. I like your hula hoop analogy. Uh, that would really build some confidence, you know, 
if we if we threw some hula hoops up there, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yes. I, oh, my shot's going in a lot today. This is nice. By the way, are you not going to be in the Bay when I'm there this weekend? For I don't think you are. Are you? Aren't you going to be on vacation? Oh man, solo soup time for I'm your not, boy. I'm not. I'm on vacation. I'm not sure what the weather's going yeah. to be like. So it may actually be more soup weather for you, Mike. Like, you know, the old saying, yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. the coldest winter of my life was a summer in San Francisco. So, right, so, yeah, so that may be about. what you're up to. So I want to wrap up some of our discussion around the bigs because the Lakers have traditionally carried, a, I think they've tried to carry at least two additional centers in addition to Anthony Davis, right? And I wanted to ask you if you think that calculus changes at all, A, with Darvin Ham being the coach, but B, based off of how many minutes LeBron played at center last season and whether or not you think that's going to influence real roster construction when it comes to um, – how many bigs they try to carry. So beyond the types of bigs, just bigs in general, because they've only got 15 yeah. roster spots, right? And you would think that the guys that they're signing are probably all going to need to be able to play based off of the injury history that the team has suffered. Like there's there's not a lot of room to be like, oh, let me sign this project guy, especially if like Christie makes the team he may not play very much at all, right? Like Max Christie, if he's if he's taken up a roster spot, it's like they just invested in him. So you may only have 14 roster yeah. spots. Well, first of all, on Max Christie, I met him at the office the other day. And I texted you guys, but the first thing that I was just sort of struck by was how young, right, he seemed to somebody like me who is now 40, right? When I, when I started working in the NBA, I was, what was I, 24, I guess? And so I, most of the players at the time were basically my peers. Like there were, there were a couple the rookies usually were a year or two younger, but so it was just, it was a moment really more of the, about me than him. Right. Like there are always rookies that are coming in that are 19, sure. but by the time that I meet them, sometimes it isn't until later, like when the season starts and they're in their uniform. And so, and I just saw him in street clothes and I was just like, Oh man, who's this, who's this super tall lanky kid now? Oh, it's Rex Christie. And then I, I haven't gotten my shout out in for Northwestern, but his mom played at my alma mater um, at Northwestern. And so that's one of the reasons why he grew up just outside of Chicago. And so we had a little a quick little thing there, you know, and, and uh, Rob was there. And so that was it was nice to it was nice to see him. And of course, I do expect him to have one of those roster spots. But like you said, we'll see if that's a player, right, that is that is actually getting real minutes or if it's somebody that, hey, let's use let's use our our South Bay Laker team to get this guy some reps, yes. especially early in the season, which yeah. they've done a lot. And they really did a lot of that with THT. Right. And, and and so they love the Lakers, I think have been very good at utilizing the South Bay team um, to get their young guys reps right. like that and to help them grow within the role that they expect them to play. And I, I saw a tweet the other day from our guy, Magic Johnson. And usually this time of year, Darius, I'm just, I'm just ready for my yacht tweets you know, or in my yacht IG post, that's what I'm yes, really waiting for. Yes. I'm like, oh, what's Samuel L up to? Like, is he what island off the coast of Greece or Italy are Magic and Samuel L chilling at? But he sent a post that was basically uh, complimenting Joey and Jesse Buss for the work that they do in the draft and then uh, through 
you know, extending to the South Bay Lakers, which of course Joey Buss is the president of and runs. And and that's facts though. Like Jesse finds these gems with his scouting staff and and of course with the um with Rob Palenka being involved there and all the Jesse scouts. And then, you know, Joey a lot of times finds these these situations with the South Bay Lakers to develop these guys. Like that's been a real advantage for the Lakers for these last several years. And so I expect that thing to kind of help a max. Now now that we have that aside um, completed, you were asking a little bit more about the roster and about LeBron at the five. And I mean, man, I could I could go for a while about this one because offensively, teams had zero answers. There's nothing to do really when LeBron's at the five and he's got the ball as the center on top of the key, and you've got either shooters or um, creative players around him, and you're just you're going to score a lot. You're going to score a lot. But then how much are you giving back in the other end, especially as the season goes on, if you're asking LeBron to do that, and especially if you're asking like Carmelo Anthony to be the guy next to him, a defense. Which, yeah. So to yeah. me, this gets it's, it's almost like you're asking a different version of the same question where we're talking about the wings and the big, big wing types, right? Because if you've got the right, the right guys and the right defensive big athletes in those spots, then of course you can get away with it more regardless of what the size is, you can scheme it a certain way and you can trap and you can recover. But what I'm, I think what I'm settling on Darius, I'm not just assuming that the Lakers are going to be able to find a bunch of big defensive focused, long switchable wings with the resources that they have for this season. Hopefully next season when, when one of the larger contracts, of course, that comes off the books and, or you're able to trade for something, whatever that turns into, for next season, I'm not going in with a plan of yeah, we'll just we're going to be able to run LeBron a ton of minutes defense at the center spot defensively. I'm thinking of it more as a as a changeup that you only use maybe five six pitches a game uh, in baseball. Like you you when you really need a strikeout, and maybe you can go to that a couple of different times and for a couple of different minutes. But I don't want to I don't want to ask LeBron to have to do that too much until you show me what the personnel can be around that that's going to help it a little bit better. Yeah, I would be worried if they had to play too many, if if they had to play those sorts of minutes um, and that it was necessitated by having too many smaller players who could really only thrive offensively in those, in that sort of up and down game that is facilitated by LeBron being at center more right and i do think the physical ask on him defensively is too high when he's put in the center of the frame defensively in that way um in ball screens so often where it's not like you're often going to hunt lebron james but where there is that opportunity to sort of um just go at him every single defensive possession in the hopes of trying to wear him down, right? And I do think we need to continue to acknowledge that it is going to be his year 20 season. Um, You're talking about Max Christie being young. He's like two years older than Bronny James. He's going to be 20 years old, and this is going to be LeBron's 20th season. So that tells you where LeBron is at this stage of his career. So the fact that he is still projects to be as productive and as integral a player on a team that hopes to win the title is astounding, but I think they need to manage that appropriately as well. And 
if you're going to play him at center, quote unquote, then I actually do think you need a beefier spacing power forward type in that Markeith Morris mold or like a Kevin Love mold, right? Like, and there are guys like that around the league who are effectively like stretch fours, but that can absorb some of the punishment of defending bigger players to not have that be LeBron. Well, and Darius, I also I also like to look at defense as more of a unit than even just one big or one three or like one on the other side, I guess, of LeBron, like one, three, four, five type guy. I also want to look at the guards and think if we're going to have Malik Monk or like last season's team, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, DJ Augustine as your guards in a lineup where LeBron's at the center, that like that doesn't work either. So you've got to be big at the guard spots if you want to play small in the big spots. I think it's a the best analogy for last year might be the Chicago Bulls, where two of our former loves, Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball, are so big and and physical and long at the one two. They got away for the first couple months of the season with playing DeMar DeRozan at the four and Vucevic at the five, which eventually was going to fail because teams were eventually going to just attack the rim. But Lonzo and Caruso made it difficult for teams to even get into those actions to get there because of how active they were. And, and, and that's that's the thing, too, where you can protect your bigs with good big guards. And I, I guess they don't have to be big, but just really good defensive playing guards. And that's not something that I, I don't I don't know if you can count on that. Like I like THT to an extent there if he keeps growing defensively, and then you know maybe Max Christie in a couple of years, <laughs> right at six six as a shooting guard, I think we'll have some real potential there. And, yeah. and by the way, I know Pete's been watching a ton of film on him, um, and is eager to watch his defensive film from the California Classic. But you know he's not going to be there next year, like where it's going to be Christie and THT protecting LeBron in the way that Cruz or Alonzo could. No, that's right. And I mean, you could even look to those prime Warriors teams, right, where Steph was like the weakest defender on the team, but Steph's 6'3", and he's the smallest guy. And then it's Clay. Huge two defensively, yeah. You know. And, and yes, Iggy, like an amazing six, six, three defensively, like, and that's it, yeah. Yes. And and then Draymond, and, and but this is before KD too, right? And so Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Sean Livingston, and they just came at you with all of these dudes who were 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", guys, 6'8". And so, yes, Draymond's at center, who's, you know, Draymond's, what, 6'7 and a half, 6'8". But they had so much size everywhere else that they just compensated for that. And if the Lakers are going to try to use LeBron in that sort of Draymond-esque role where you're a small ball center, um, and that's going to be for any extended minutes, then they need to support him appropriately with other big players on the court who, who can make up some of and provide some of the physicality that's needed to play smaller up front. It, so this has been an interesting discussion, Mike. I'm, I'm still not sure where the Lakers will land in terms of what types of bigs they get or how many bigs they target. But I think that ideally we are looking for shooting and defense with, with those guys. And I, and personally too, I do think one of the bigs has to be like athletic 
and big. Like they need to, he he needs to be a guy who can hold up against some of the bigger matchups that you're going to face and 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 be a and also be a lob threat because if you don't have some of those ingredients, I think they're going to end up having to ask more of LeBron and AD in ways where you want them supported in those ways rather than always having to provide those things to the team. That's a good way to wrap it up. I was going to echo that same point where let's not get back into the thing where you're asking your two stars to do a lot of the role player stuff or have to do it. Like, of course they're going to do it, especially when things are on the line, but let's not require them to have to be doing it in the first and second quarter. Otherwise, their team's going to be down by five, you know, or down by seven and, and down increasingly. And the players that you put around them have a lot to do with it. All right. Uh, always great chopping it up with you. Uh, you you did get a lot of shots up today. Um, as expected, that was your role. The basketball was there. Uh, you shot it when you were open. So thank you for doing that. Pete will be back tomorrow. Yes. Pete will be back tomorrow. I think yeah, so. So, so you'll, think so you'll hear Pete's intro and know that all things are right in the LFR world. All right, guys, have a good one. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! Unbelievable, it's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.